CK Cup in Six is brought to you by the Vegas Lawyers, a division of Paul Pata Law. Many great things happened for the Vegas Golden Knights in their second year of existence. The year will forever be remembered by the call on Cody Eakin as he received a five-minute major and a game misconduct and the comeback by the Sharks to knock the Knights out of the playoffs. The NHL changed how major calls were made the next year, but for the Knights, it was a year too late. The GK Cup in Six was brought to you by the Vegas Lawyers, where compassion and strong legal representation come together. Every now and then life happens, and you or a family member need an outstanding criminal attorney. I'm Tony Abitangelo, and we are the Vegas Lawyers. Whether you need representation for DUI, domestic violence, record stealing, or any other criminal charge, we are here to help. The Vegas Lawyers' background of former judges and vast experience with the Nevada criminal system gives you skilled representation. The Vegas Lawyers, a division of Paul Pata Law, where compassion and strong legal representation come together. Go to TheVegasLawyers.com. The Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show with Darren Millard and Ryan Wallace. Weekdays at 4 on Fox Sports Las Vegas. 98.9 FM and 1340 AM. KKGK Las Vegas. White Cloud shoots. Knocked down. A rebound. Score! Chandler Stevenson. Rebound goal for the Knights. Chandler with two great looks in that sequence. Nobody is ever satisfied with one. So we're back for a second hour of the Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show. Michael shuffling down to the goal line. Carlson dancing out in front. Score! Backhand pass. Carlson to Marcheseau. What a goal! From the Finley Chevrolet Fox Sports Las Vegas studio and live at LVSportsNetwork.com. Here is Darren Millard and Ryan Wallace. Rolling along here, hour number two of the VGK Insider Show. Ryan Wallace, Chris Chapman, hanging out for another hour before I preempt myself, more or less, or I'll hand it off to myself for the VGK pregame show. We'll be chatting with Ashley Weiss, Vince Appienza. We'll also dig into Alex Petrangelo suiting up in his 1,000th NHL game. We're also going to talk about Ridley Gregg and Morgan Riley a little bit later on in one-timers. I promise you're not going to want to miss that conversation. Chris Chapman and I, we're going to dig in to really what's important about that entire situation. Who's in the right? Who's very clearly in the wrong? And what our expectations are in terms of what the suspension is going to be for Morgan Riley. But right now, we're going to bring in Danny Webster, Las Vegas son, a, a good friend of the show. Um... Danny, let's start with football. Let's start with the Super Bowl. Let's start with kind of your impressions of being in and around the festivities and what it meant for Vegas. So why don't we start there? What what was the last week like for you, not from a hockey perspective, but from a football perspective? It was probably one of the more chaotic weeks I've ever experienced, and I say that wholeheartedly in and endearing as far as just a lot of hustle and bustle going on mm-hmm. around the strip. And you just see so many people, whether it be from Las Vegas, whether it be from out of town, just descending near Mandalay Bay, descending near Allegiant Stadium for a week, getting to experience everything going on. The, the security, there were no issues as far as getting people in and out of places. The foot traffic, I think, was really good as far as keeping everything organized. So, so far as I know, there were no problems there. The, the experience overall, just watching people get so excited for the week before the Super Bowl, you, you hear the different stories 
about just how fun the week leading up to it is. And then when you finally see it happen here and when you finally get to experience it, it, the pageantry and the pomp and circumstance that go with it is just unmatched. So it, it was definitely something to experience uh, over the last week, getting the chance to you know, be a part of these different press conferences and talk to these different people. And then leading up to the game last night, just an incredible event, an incredible atmosphere, um, just, just an overall amazing experience just being around there for the last week. Do you have a like personal takeaway thought or memory or feeling from kind of the last week for you? Like personal, uh, I'm going to remember what this was like for the rest of my life type moment. Yeah, I, I, I think the one thing I'm going to remember the most it actually happened last night. I was talking to some fans for a story that I wrote hmm. uh, for today's paper that came out, and I spoke with one uh, 49ers fan uh, who was about 30 minutes of game time away from selling her Super Bowl tickets because the 49ers were down 24-7 to at halftime to the Detroit Lions. Hmm. And her son, who I believe, if I remember correctly, it was just about going into high school, uh, I guess was the voice of reason and said, Mom, no, don't do it, don't do it. We, we, there's still a chance. And mm-hmm. lo and behold, uh, the 49ers pull off that comeback and end up playing in Allegiant Stadium. Just, just hearing the stories from some of the people that I talked to and just getting a chance to see what it's like for these fans who – you know, because I can't, I can't say anything. I'm a Dallas Cowboys fan, so I don't know what it's like <laughs> to be for my team to be in a Super Bowl. Um, so, I, I mean, just to see the excitement and just to hear these people talk about whether they're from here or whether they're from, you know, Kansas City or whether they're from elsewhere, just getting a chance to talk to them before the game was a lot of fun. And, uh, you know, they were not disappointed, except for probably 49ers fans. But I think overall no one was really disappointed. Uh, in how that game turned out. Now, Danny, what is what is the atmosphere like in the building for the Super Bowl? Because we know it, there's a ton of corporate tickets that are given out, and it's a lot of people who are there because they're unbelievably wealthy. But in that overtime, San Francisco kicks a field goal. Was there a, a lot of – could you feel the anticipation with the Kansas City fans that they were going to go down and score a touchdown and win the game – like, just what's the atmosphere like? Because I watch it on television, and you can't really get a feel for the atmosphere when you're watching on TV. But what is it like when you're in the building for something like that? Well, I'll tell you what. It definitely felt, and I, I don't think I want to exaggerate this, I think it was 70-30 49ers fans in that, in that stadium last oh, wow. It was it was extremely one-sided for San Francisco. And I, and I don't know if it was majority – of 49ers fans or a majority of people that were sprinkled in that wanted the Chiefs to finally taste defeat and, you know, prey on the downfall of the Swift, the Swifty army. I, I don't know <laughs> what it was for that. Um, but I, I think when, when, the, when the Chiefs got their drive in overtime and they drove down the field and they got to the, they got to the uh, three-yard line, and Mahomes found Hardman for the touchdown. There was just this sudden euphoric pop, and and I don't know if it was just because all the Chiefs fans were right below where I was seated in the press box, mm. but there was just this loud euphoric roar of Chiefs fans just 
celebrating the fact that they won the Super Bowl. And I was like, where in the world was this for the four hours? Because I thought it was just going to be clear 49ers pandemonium. But, mm. you know, the, 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 the Chiefs fans that showed up and were celebra- celebrating and cheering on their team, uh, I think there was definitely a loud, just euphoric pop right when it happened. And that atmosphere was incredible. Uh, like you said, you can't really get it when you're watching on TV in person. It's a completely different feeling. So, okay, there's two more on the on the Super Bowl thread, and then I want to get into hockey. Um, number one, how many times did you see Taylor Swift on the Jumbotron or the big screen inside the arena? I think I lost count after maybe five, but the most notable one was I think it was maybe the second quarter, mm-hmm. and the camera pans to her, and she just starts channeling her inner Jason Kelsey yeah. and chugs a beer right on the video board and a lot of people just lost their minds yeah. when that happened. But I, I think it was about maybe five I lost count at. That that was impressive to say the least. Um okay. So the the reason I bring up the Super Bowl is is we're about to watch Alex Petrangelo play his one thousandth game for the Vegas Golden Knights. Before seven years ago, um the idea of, you know, a Stanley Cup final, a a, a National Hockey League team here in Las Vegas, it seemed like so far away, right? It was a distant thought, a, a, a something that would never work. And then to go from where we were eight, nine, ten years ago to where we are right now, where we had the Super Bowl last night, and we've got a hockey team that is a defending Stanley Cup champion and a player who's likely a Hall of Famer is going to suit up in his 1,000th game. Like, it is a pretty nice 24-hour period for the city of Las Vegas. What did last night's event prove to the world about Las Vegas as a major sports market? I think just the fact that it happened so quickly. Mm. Um, you know, when you look back seven years ago, before the Golden Knights ever played a game, and we're talking about a situation where even the NHL at the time was very hesitant about wanting to get involved in really the sports betting capital of the world. Forget the entertainment capital of the world. And we see what has become of that since then. And since the Golden Knights had their first season, you're looking at a WNBA team relocated here and has become the best WNBA franchise run, both in terms of front office and player personnel in the entire league. And they're the back-to-back champions, defending champions with a very strong case to go for a three-peat themselves. Then you see the Raiders come to town and, you know, say what you will about the Raiders, the Raider fan base, how that whole situation unfolds. The National Football League is still in Las Vegas. And even then, that was a ridiculous thought, you know, even five, six years ago. And we're talking about NFL teams playing games here and now a Super Bowl is here. And, mm-hmm. and you know, obviously the situation with the A's, whatever is to come of that down the road, I think we'll eventually get to that point, whatever the resolution of that may be. But you're seeing what has become just just one instant of success, and you saw it with the Golden Knights, and I truly believe you know, they were the starting point mm-hmm. of what has become going forward. And now you're seeing all these other instances where it's like, well, if we can get one team here if for a city that doesn't have a pro sports team, what can become of us if we can get a, a hockey team or a baseball team or whatnot and see how it grows? And it, and it just shows that 
this is a market that has been thriving for something for so long. And the fact that it's now happening and it's booming so quickly, people are now experiencing that Las Vegas is just more than, you know, a long stretch of casinos uh, in downtown Las Vegas. Danny Webster, Las Vegas Sun, joining us here to talk a little bit about his experience yesterday at the Super Bowl. But mainly we're going to shift gears now and talk about the National Hockey League. We're going to talk about the Vegas Golden Knights, and specifically we're going to talk about Alex Petrangelo, who is just a couple of hours away from suiting up in his 1,000th NHL game. Uh, what what strikes you? I mean, you've been around Petrangelo now for a couple of years. Like, what is it about Alex Petrangelo that has gotten him to this point? Because, you know, you look at his career numbers, great offensive numbers but not like not to the to the same level or degree of a, of a of an Eric Carlson right like a an elite elite offensive defenseman but there's an aspect of Petrangelo where he just does everything so well that there are no no issues with his game there's no glaring holes in what he does and he does that playing 23 minutes a night as a 34 year old going up against the best competition night in and night out like is is he a different kind of defenseman in today's league? I definitely think so. And I think the, the one thing, and you touched on this three minutes tonight, the thing that always stood out to me, and, and I think any player who, obviously any player who played 1,000 games, no matter the position, you know, incredible. I do think, though, that with defensemen, certain defensemen like Alex Tranco that are everything on a night-to-night basis, Playing as your top pairing defenseman at five on five, whether it be playing on the power play, whether it be playing on the PK, or no matter what the situation calls for, he does it for 23, 24 minutes a night. And not only that, it just seems like his motor never stops. Yeah. But someone even is doing what he's been able to do and do it at such a consistent level while doing it at such a well durable. I think the amazing volume of what he's accomplished, just both on and off site, and obviously just the kind of person he is, and the kind of person that, you know, a well-rounded family man who loves his family, and you know, we're talking about you know this time last year, even maybe a little bit before, there was a chance Alex Petrangelo might have thought about retiring with all the situation that was going on with his daughter. So, I mean, obviously, he knows his priorities. He understands what is important in life. And he, whether it be on or off the ice, he is committed to doing what he does. And when he is on the ice, he's 100% committed to being the best he can be in all situations. And he takes care of his body. He does all the right things. And it's resulted into him reaching this milestone moment. Hi, Danny. Um, we're, we're, we're seeing some guys starting to maybe get close to coming back. We're seeing Shea Theodore now in the red jersey. But it seems like the team has an over, I don't want to say overabundance, but they have quite a few defensemen in the arsenal right now, including Daniil Marimanov. Um, we know Zach Whitecloud last couple nights has not played. So what is this team going to do going forward when they when they get healthy fully on the blue line? Yeah, you know what? I, I I think it's a good problem to have to have that overabundance. I, I, I know it's probably not the term you're looking for, Chris, but I do think that it. I, I think that is a great way to put it. And, you know, when we, 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 we look at the history of the Golden Knights, I think the one key phrase that has stood the test of time, no matter who it is, 
whether it be Kelly McCrimmon, George McPhee, or anybody. It's always a good problem to have, to have these guys in the pipeline to know where you stand in the organization. And, you know, I, and to their credit, with all the injuries that they've had on the blue line, everyone that's in an admirable job. As far as what they do going forward, you know, once Chase Theodore eventually returns, which with, a, with about four days off after tonight, it might Hutton also coming back rounding out the whole seven on the blue line. I, I do think that there might be a situation where they're going to see what they get out of Daniil Miramanov. Obviously, him playing over Zach Whitecloud the other night was kind of an eye-opener, but I do think they kind of wanted to see what he can do coming off you know, a torn ACL and what he can provide as far as that puck-moving defenseman that I think in the third pair they don't necessarily need, but it is an added element. And I think I don't I don't necessarily want to think that there's going to be a competition with that, you know, when everyone is healthy. But I do wonder if you know Ben Hutton comes back, is he someone that has a lock on that seventh defenseman spot, or is he going to have to start competing with the likes of a Caden Korzak, with a Daniel Marimanov, and and see what they go going forward. So. It's definitely a good problem to have, um, but I, I am intrigued over these next couple of days what Bruce Cassidy thinks as far as what he wants to do at the bottom part of the blue line. You know, it's interesting because you've got a lot of names, right? We, we're, we've talked about how deep this team is on the back end pretty much all season long, and you've needed that depth with Shea Theodore out of the lineup for you know, over 30 games now. But if you have Theodore back in the fold, I don't expect that there's going to be a change with Martinez and Petrangelo. I don't expect that you're going to go in any direction other than Braden McNabb and Shea Theodore. And we know how good of a pair Nick Hagan, Zach Whitecloud can be together. So, you know, to me, the way that I view it is what do you want, as you mentioned, what do you want for your seventh defenseman? Do you want a guy that can kind of fill into many different roles like a Ben Hutton? or even a Tobias Bjornfoot, or do you want somebody that's got more of that high-end offensive skill set in a Caden Korzak or a Daniil Mirmanov? Like, it's kind of a philosophical question. However, you're not going to be able to have 10 defensemen on the roster. Like, that really is, is the thing for me. It's not so much who's going to play night in and night out, but what are the options that you're opening up or allowing for yourself should you need your seventh defenseman to come in and spot some games? Yeah, absolutely, and and that's and that's going to be the key going forward. And and I wonder how that gets addressed as far as what exactly do the Golden Knights need in that situation? Because I think they they haven't seen a a lot of Daniel Marimanov, but what they've gotten from him in the games he's played, even dating to last year, they definitely like what they see. And obviously, of course, they like what they see from Caden Korzak. But I think his time is coming to be an everyday NHL player possibly next year. So you have that kind of situation there. But you're absolutely right. Your top four, you're not really worried about. The third pair has been lauded as the best third pair in the league by by many people, and I think all of us included would agree on that. So now it's just a matter of who is the best fit to round out your lineup whenever you need to take someone out. And, you know, you got about 30 games left to kind of figure that out once everyone gets out. So there's definitely a lot of decisions to come up with that. All right. Go ahead. Danny, this is a team that never seems to stand pat at the trade deadline and it's approaching we're getting closer and closer to the trade deadline 
What, if anything, do you see the Golden Knights doing at the trade line, trade deadline? I mean, obviously, if they do something, they're going to be buyers. But what, what could you see them possibly doing? Yeah, you know what? This is probably the first time where I think that it might not be so much a given that the Golden Knights address some major needs at the trade deadline. If I'm looking for something in particular, I, I my first thought is someone who can be a power play don't necessarily mean someone that you can pot in that's scoring 50, 20 goals right now and just have him be an extra threat. I think you need someone who can provide that one-timer that is sorely lacking on the Golden Knights power play. And, and Bruce Cassidy mentioned it to me a couple weeks ago. It, this, isn't a power, this isn't a team that really has that one-timer option, but I do think it's something that hinders this group when you don't have that immediate shot coming from either dot. And when you don't have that, that kind of slows the pace down. And, of course, the Golden Knights have shown that, you know, at a 20% clip when everyone's healthy, mm-hmm. that, that can work. And it worked well in the playoffs last year. But I think you need someone to kind of take over that if it's not going to be Jonathan Marshall and if it's not going to be Jack Eichel. So if they're going to address somebody there, I do think that the one area that they might need to look into is someone that, if you need to make a change, in the middle six, and, and really when you look at it from five-on-five standpoint, they don't really need to do that. You might want to look into someone who can provide that one-timer from either circle on the power play if that option is available. But again, we've seen what this group can do. The, the majority of this group, you know, returning everyone but two guys from last year's team, and if they go into the playoffs healthy, who is stopping them? That's the big question. So for the first time, I think in – you know, this team's history, I think they're going into the trade deadline knowing if they want to buy, they absolutely can. Mm-hmm. Do they need to? That's the question, I think. Yeah, I, I think it depends on what you're getting, right? Like, that. that is obviously... When you talk about a one-time option on the power play, there's like a short list of guys that you can go out and get with that. Now, it allows you to be somewhat picky because this is a team that's pretty confident in what they have, but I'm, I'm fascinated because I don't really have a read on it. I don't have an idea as to which direction the Vegas Golden Knights are leaning. If they want to bring somebody in or if they want to just say, you know what, we won it all last year. We have essentially the same team. We're going to run it back because we have confidence in the ability to do that. I'm fascinated by the trade deadline, but I I do want to ask you one question outside of, uh, you know, players that may or may not be Vegas Golden Knights in in a month from now. How many games does Aiden Hill need realistically to be in the Vesna conversation? Because his numbers are the best in the National Hockey League. I recognize the games played. It's low right now because of injury. But can Aiden Hill do something pretty special down the stretch to get himself in the running, in the conversation for the Vesna Trophy? That, that's, the, that's the dilemma I'm having right now. He's at what? He'd be at 20 tonight. Like, starting tonight. He'd be either 20 or 21. And I think if we go back, go back to year one when Mark Andre Fleury came back from his concussion and pretty much should have been in the Vesna conversation, but didn't win it. And I think he only made between what I think it was like thirty-five or forty starts. And I don't even think he got consideration that year, if I recall. Hmm. I'm I'm trying to think. Of, I think forty. Somewhere between 40 and 45 would be a sweet spot, but that would require him playing so many games down the stretch and kind of limiting 
extra relief for Logan Thompson while getting away from their rotation that Bruce wants to do to kind of offset that. I, I think it would need to be somewhere between 35 and 40, and hopefully if those numbers stay where they are, that would be enough of a consideration to want to give it to him. But that, that, that's the only knock I can find. And I just, just given the history of the voting for that, I don't know if that's even plausible. But he definitely, if he stays on this track, he needs to be in the conversation, no doubt about it. Okay, so I want to open it up to probably the, the bigger or the biggest talking point in hockey over the course of last weekend. Like, I know that football had the Super Bowl and, like, that's cool or whatever. Uh, but I don't know if you saw it, Danny. Ridley Gregg of the Ottawa Senators took a slap shot into an empty net against the Toronto Maple Leafs, and then right after that ate a cross-check to the face from Morgan Riley. Um, What's your take on this entire scenario? Okay, so I I think after evaluating it, my thought on this is we always want the NHL to market themselves, market their players better, and they want them to be just these you know, these people that either are a little bit cocky, a little bit brash, and then there are those that are like, well, but, you know, unwritten rules dictate you shouldn't fire an 85, 90 mile per hour slap shot within 15 feet. So that, to me, is kind of lame. Could really Greg have done it? No. Should he have? No. Was it cool? Yes. Did Morgan Riley need to do that? Absolutely not. Um, I, I don't know what the whole situation with the Department of Player Safety is going to come down to. I guess it probably will be six games because I think that's the minimum that he might face. I, I, I just don't think that there's any reason why he should have literally skated toward the young lad and just cross-checked him into oblivion. And I, I, I didn't see the, the result of it, but it looks like he was okay. He was on yeah. the ice for a long period of time. But, I mean, if he suffered a head injury, God forbid, yep. more than six games, you would think, at, 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 at most, right? So I, I think just there was no need for that. You can make the argument there was no need on it from the offensive side of it, but Morgan Riley, definitely on call for. Uh, <laughs> um, like, the, the whole thing is, is kind of ridiculous for a number of reasons. But, like, I'm with you, Danny. That NHL should be fun again. Right, like, and and Ridley Gregg, or any player for that matter. I don't care who it is. I don't care what team it is. Like, listen, if Leon Drysaddle wants to rip a clapper into an empty net because he's on a breakaway with an empty net and he's trying to ice a game, I'm all for it. Like, go for it. Do your thing. I'm not mad at you, but like, this idea that you can't hurt the other team's feelings is weird to me. Do you, like the the issue that the Toronto Maple Leafs and Morgan Riley have? With Ridley Gregg, isn't that he scored? It's that he scored in a way that hurt their feelings. Right. What are we doing? Yeah, I, I don't know what is the problem here. And, I mean, it's not like Ottawa has had much to cheer for as of late. Yeah. Um, if you're going to beat one of your biggest rivals, you know what? Be proud that you knocked off the Toronto Maple Leafs, who are still a weird anomaly to me at this point in the NHL season. You know what? All for it. All for it. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I'm um, Buddy, thanks for jumping on here. Um, I know it's been a, kind of a crazy and chaotic week for you kind of leading up to this one, uh, but we always appreciate uh, the, the time that you spend with us. So enjoy this game tonight, and, and I hope you had a blast over the last week. Of course, guys. Anytime. Thanks for having me. 
That's Danny Webster with the Las Vegas Sun joining us here. He chatted a little bit about the Super Bowl and a lot about the Vegas Golden Knights. We even snuck in a little bit of, uh, of a preview for what's to come in just a few minutes in one-timers. We're back with one-timers on the other side of the break, but before we get there, if you want to see the Vegas Golden Knights take on the Nashville Predators February 20th, at least that's what Chapman tells me uh, is the date of the game, be caller number 7. Makes sense, Alex Petrangelo, game 1000. Caller number 7, you're a winner, 702-876-1340. That's the number, one-timers on the other side of the break. It's the VGK Insider Show on Fox Sports Las Vegas. Carlson left corner, centered, one-timer, score! It's time for one-timers. one-timers. A quick look at news and notes from around the National Hockey League. Brought to you by Paul Padalaw. It's not about the injury, it's about the recovery. One-timers brought to you by Paul Padalot. It's not about the injury. It's about the recovery news and notes from around the National Hockey League. I promise we're going to get to Ridley Gregg, Morgan Riley, and the incidents involving slap shots into empty nets, hurt feelings, and the Department of Player Safety. But before we get there, Chris Chapman, I, we like to talk a lot about Alex Ovechkin on this program. Yes. At, at, at times, it's been called the Alex Ovechkin Power Hour. Yeah, uh, yeah. Not so much in, in recent times, mainly because Ovechkin has been – Ice, um, ice, baby. Do, 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 do. Ice cold through the first 43 games of the year. Just eight goals in 43 games for Ovechkin. However, he's got a goal in five straight games, five goals in five games for Alex Ovechkin. He's now got 13 on the year. Chris Chapman, is Alex Ovechkin back? Oh, I hope so. I hope so. We threw dirt on him the other day saying he was done. Yeah. I hope he's back. If, there, if there's ever been a plate of crow that I've wanted to eat, it's for Alexander Ovechkin. Mm-hmm. Like, I would I would eat the crow for him. You you realize you didn't, like, actually have that take on the air, right? Like, that was a private conversation you and I had. Well, I'm an honest person, and, and you know, I, I like to be forthcoming with these things. And, <laughs> and look, I said there was – he wasn't going to catch Gretzky. He's done. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Look, he's got he's – got, what like 30 more games this year i think he's gonna obviously need to score a little bit more to to be on track but Mm -hmm. man i i i love seeing records broken sure i did not like seeing hank aaron's home run record broken more because of the guy who broke it but in the case of alexander ovechkin i think it'd be really cool to see him break Mm -hmm. uh the record and look i'm rooting for him just because i want to see that done like i don't remember gretzky breaking the record i was so young like, to see Ovechkin do it and, and knowing you've seen so many of the goals that he scored, well, not so many, but a bunch of goals that he yeah. scored, I think, I, I think I've think i seen him score seven goals all against Golden Knights. And, and yeah. look, I mean, it's seven of whatever he's going to end up with, but it's seven more goals than a lot of other people have seen him score. You don't remember Gretzky breaking Gordie Howe's record? I, I, I don't remember it. Like, if I'm, if I'm remembering correctly, it was – I'm fairly certain it was against Vancouver. I think and it was, yeah it's, yeah. it's a it's a wide open net of sorts for Gretzky, and then it's like the running man Selly. You don't remember that? I I'm younger than you. Yeah, but I wasn't an LA Kings fan and, and you know, I grew up on the East Coast and I'm sure I I'm sure wow. I remember seeing it on Sports Center. So just turn but, your back on Wayne Gretzky, okay? No, 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 but but I think it was a different era, right? Like I think sure. today yeah. if I if it happened today. Yeah. I would remember it a lot more than I did in, in the early 90s. 
Would would that have gotten more airtime than Taylor Swift? No. Wayne Gretzky breaking that that goal scoring I, record. I saw I saw would not have gotten more. I, I saw Come people on. melting down because she got fifty four seconds of, of television time last night. Like I'm t- I'm t- she was she was she, ten times during yeah, the game. Yeah, only fifty four seconds. That's an average of five point four seconds a, a, a pan. Well, yeah, and, because and you had to cut back to the actual play on the field. Listen, if they had showed her chugging a beer for sixty minutes of football, I would yeah. have been totally cool with that. Well, to be fair, that was on X. Social media is a beautiful thing. Yeah, I love I saw it. it. I, I thought it. it was awesome. And the way she slammed it after. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh, welcome to football, Taylor yeah. Swift. She's feeling it. Yeah. Um, all right, so let's <laughs> let's dive into this. Okay. Saturday, it's the Ottawa Senators, the Toronto Maple Leafs, and like the Leafs can't afford to lose games, specifically to Ottawa, right? Like this is a team that's not an automatic guarantee. I don't care how well Austin Matthews is playing. They are not an automatic lock to make the postseason. They're just not. They have not been consistently good all season long. So you can understand that they're probably a pretty frustrated bunch anyway. Then you factor in that the Toronto Maple Leafs are losing to the Ottawa Senators. About five seconds left in the game. Toronto has their net empty for the extra attacker. Ridley Gregg rookie in this league comes down with an empty net and he winds up stick to the sky and he unloads a slap shot into the empty net apparently that is a no-no when it comes to the code you are not allowed to score a slap shot goal on an empty net you're not allowed to do it you just it's just not allowed it's not something that's okay in the National Hockey League. You are not to show up your opponent or hurt their feelings. To the point that Morgan Riley, generally an upstanding citizen in the National Hockey League. He doesn't take bad penalties. He's never really crossed a line. Doesn't really fight. There's really not a big history for Morgan Riley when it comes to kind of losing himself in a moment of emotion and acting on it. Well, Morgan Riley makes a beeline for Ridley Gregg and cross-checks him in the face, right? The, the, The response to having your feelings hurt is to go over to a player and not grab them, not try to fight them, not try to let them know, hey, you shouldn't do that. That's a no, no. You hurt our feelings. That's not okay. The reaction in the moment, the instantaneous reaction from a player that is a veteran in this league was not to go about things the, quote, right way in the code. It was to go over there and cross-check a guy in the face. Chris Chapman, what's your take on this? Well, I'll preface by saying that I like Morgan Riley. Yeah. I I don't think he is a dirty player. Mm-hmm. I, I really respect what he does off the ice in terms of some of the things that he's involved in. So it, it's really unfortunate to have to weigh in on – a cheap shot. I mean, that's what it is. It was a cheap shot. Mm-hmm. And it made me think, and I understand the circumstances were different, but I do remember Dale Hunter completely destroying Pierre Turgeon after Turgeon scored a game-winning goal mm-hmm. in a series for the New York Islanders to knock the Washington Capitals out of the playoffs. But Dale Hunter got 21 games for that. Yeah. And I think in large part because he injured Pierre Turgeon. Well, I don't think Riley's going to get 
21 games. But I don't. I I, I think the problem, it's not similar enough to me no. to that play at all. The, the the big issue I have is, for starters, Morgan Riley was quicker to go hit Greg after yep. he scored that goal yep. than he was to get down the ice and try to prevent Greg from scoring the goal. That's not where I thought you were going. Well, I don't know if you saw the video, mm-hmm. but Morgan Riley was basically going through the motions. And I understand it's an empty net, but you know what? He half-heartedly tried to get back. Mm-hmm. So that's my first issue. And then you move faster to go take a guy out after he winds up and scores. Well, your this, feelings are hurt. This is a sport that desperately needs and wants personality. Yet, whenever a guy shows personality... Mm-hmm. Fans gatekeep. Why, I don't know. It's a sport that lags behind the NBA and the NFL when it comes to ratings. I would think you'd want the sport to grow. Why is the NBA successful? Because there's personality mm-hmm. in the NBA. There's guys, but, you know, whenever a guy like P.K. Subban comes along, people crap and poo-poo all over him. Oh, he's got too much personality. He's eccentric. Yeah. So Ridley Gregg shows personality Goes down. I don't care that he wound up and he put a slap shot into an empty net. Yeah. I think it's more insulting if he just skates all the way down and softly puts it in the net. Like, yeah, guess what? This is so easy. But the problem is if you check your social media, it's Mm -hmm. littered with former players and a lot of Toronto media saying even his coach. Mm Mm-hmm. The response was appropriate. This is what you're done. Listen, the problem I have with all of this is not so much that Morgan Riley took a cheap shot. It's that there's so many people that before him taught him, whether it's coaches, Mm -hmm. former players, veterans, that this is the right thing to do. The reality is it's the wrong thing to do. I don't care about some unwritten code. Mm-hmm. I care about player safety. Well, <laughs> okay. Um, you, you, you mentioned the code. F- fact of the matter, I don't care how you score a goal. There's no right or wrong way to score a goal. If, if you're the Toronto Maple Leafs and you're upset that he wound up for a slap shot, don't put yourself in that position. It's really that simple. Like, if you are in a position where you feel like the way a game is going to end is going to hurt your feelings because the guy that's going to score the empty net goal is going to show you up, don't be in that position. Number one, first and foremost. Number two, I think it's amazing. Like, you want rivalries, right? Like, you want there to be some legitimate beef and bad blood. I think for Ridley Gregg, he's going to do that all day long. Like, the idea that he's learned a lesson. He hasn't learned a lesson. Like, Morgan Riley coming across, cross-checking him in the face, isn't going to prevent Ridley Gregg from being Ridley Gregg. This is how he plays. This is the edge that he kind of teeters, and I'm fine with that. Here's the other thing. The Toronto Maple Leafs showed more anger and frustration in this moment because their feelings were hurt than they did earlier this season when Brad Marchand laid a borderline check on Timothy Lilligren and knocked him out of play. That's a problem. This isn't the Leafs becoming a harder-to-play-against team. This is the Leafs being more upset about their individual feelings than their teammates from earlier on this year. That also is a problem. And I'm sorry. I'm sorry to say this. Hurting someone's feelings 
by scoring a goal is not the same as coming across and cross-checking a guy in the face. Should Ridley Gregg have done that? Yeah. Yeah, he should have. Do I care if anyone winds up for a slap shot into an empty net? No, I don't. You want to know why? Because it's entertainment. It's fun. The game should be that way. But this idea that if you have fun, if you do something that's a little left of center field in the National Hockey League, you should expect to get cross-checked in the face is ridiculous. Oh, by the way, I'm glad you brought up center field. Mm -hmm. Because I got to be careful here because the guy now owns the LV Lights. Yeah. But Joey Bats, former mm -hmm. Toronto Blue Jay, <laughs> they embraced his bat flip. Yeah. They loved the bat flip. If you are a Toronto Maple Leaf fan and you think that what Ridley Gregg did was so egregious and so mean-spirited to show up to Toronto Maple Leafs and hurt their feelings. I hope, truly, I hope that at no point in time you enjoyed or liked or defended the bat flip from Batista. Because if you did, you're just being a hypocrite right now. It's a fact of the matter. It is what it is. And I recognize this is probably not like a, a, a generally accepted way of thinking in, in, in terms of, of hockey. But Ridley Gregg had fun. Ridley Gregg did his job. He scored that goal in the way that he wanted to. And he's pushed Morgan Riley, one of the most important players for the Toronto Maple Leafs, into a position where he lost himself in emotion and might sit for more than six games. Ridley Gregg didn't learn anything but be an agitator. And you can continue to do this to other teams. I, I I can't believe the Leafs cared more about this than a hit to a teammate earlier on this year. It's ridiculous. Yeah, 100%. 100% ridiculous. And, I mean, the consequences, I think, they'll probably be pretty severe. Yep. And for a team that's teetering on the brink of, of the 7-8, maybe possibly missing the playoffs, his absence could be huge. Yeah, you're, you're right on the money. Those are your one-timers for today, February 12th. We're back with Catching Up with Chapman next on the BGK Insider Show. When the guy wouldn't stop talking, we had no choice but to give him his own segment. It's time for Catching Up with Chapman. I'm going to hand it over to Chapman in just a minute, but uh, I checked in on the text line. The music wasn't on us. I, I, I'm sorry. Like, Listen, I know that we've been on Chapman about the music during one-timers, but the drums, that was a rehearsal. Uh, so sorry, guys, but uh, it's kind of what happens when you're doing a show inside the rink during a rehearsal. Now, that being said, it's not Chapman's fault, but, you know, we can blame him if you want to. Anyway, Chapman, this is your segment. Take it away, bud. All right. Well, Patrick Line is a guy that we, we, we've occasionally had some fun with on this show some mm -hmm. of his quotes and things that he said well for those who aren't aware he is on a leave right now dealing with mental health issues now there's nothing more important than your health and that includes mental health yep well a columbus blue jackets fan podcast i won't repeat the joke it's ridiculous it's disgusting yep made a joke about why patrick line is away from the blue jackets so i just wanted to take this minute to say that 
If you or someone you know is is dealing with mental health issues or maybe contemplating suicide, the National Suicide Prevention Line is 1-800-273-8255, or you can just dial 988, which might be a little easier uh, to remember. So, you know, it's disgusting that a joke would be made about something like that. I mean, you and I both know people very close to us who've dealt with some mental health problems, and it's it's vile to even yeah. joke about it. So that's all I have to say, and please, people, be safe. And you are dealing with, with contemplating suicide. Just remember those numbers and reach out and talk to someone. It was reprehensible. Uh, stick tap and, and kudos to Patrick Line for calling it out. Um, it takes a lot of, of fortitude to do that, and I applaud him for, for that. Alex Petrangelo, his 1,000th game, hard pivot there, but that's what's coming up. Pre-game show with me. It's next right here on Fox Sports Las Vegas.